0: Colossians chapter 3. We have a lot to be thankful for, but like uh, it struck me and we talked about last week, there's there's nothing that we have here that is perfect. We have a lot to be thankful for, but they all have challenges or issues or struggles or trials along with it, and so we have to kind of understand that. But one day we're going to see the face of Jesus, and and that's going to be perfection. One day perfection will come. We see now through a glass darkly, it says, in 1 Corinthians 13, one day, though, we're going to see face to face. Let me read that poem to you one more time <clears throat> from Ralph, uh, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson. For each new morning with its light, Father, we thank Thee. For rest and shelter of the night, Father, we thank Thee. For health and food, for love and friends, for everything Thy goodness sends, Father in heaven, we thank Thee. Sweet little uh, prayer poem. Last time in Colossians now, moving into uh, our two weeks ago, we talked about verses 7 through 11. And really the, the idea is that we've been changed, that God has put us on a new path. We used to walk in these ways, he says. But now we're on a new path. We're on a path that leads to life. Therefore, he says, Uh, to rid yourselves of all such things as these. In verse 8, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Lying, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self. He says to get rid of these things, because we've been changed, we're different, we're on a different path now, and he says that they don't fit, fit us anymore as we're going to see as he goes on in the next few verses that we're going to look at today, they don't fit us, they don't, they don't like suit us anymore. How many of you, uh, you know, wake up every day and you think of that question, what am I going to wear today? Any of you? One. And the rest of you are liars. <laughs> Some of you think about it more than others, True. Some of you think and think and think, what am I going to wear today? And then there's people like me and say, oh, what am I going to wear? Oh, that's good. Let's go. That's a joke. And some people, like, they get the stuff out and they got to, like, try it on and then, no, that's no good. Try something else on, no, that's no good. You know, by the time you're on your fifth outfit, oh, that, that, that'll work for me. Any of you, you like that, you will honestly admit to it? <laughs> oh, boy. You know, there's that that phrase that says we need to dress for success, right? And some of us are really kind of like understanding that, and it, it, you know, maybe true. Also, the kind of job you have, like, requires certain kinds of, of, uh, you know, dress code or whatever. And the clothes, you know, make the man or make the woman. Let me ask you, where do you buy your clothes? (laughs) Christmas time, like, you know, people get a lot of clothes and stuff. Now, I, I, You already know this, but I am no fashionista, right? (laughs) I don't really care. I remember years ago, I used to wear this old sweater, and I just loved it, but then someone came and said, listen, we want to give you a new sweater. (laughs) And like, you know, I I didn't think about it, but then I thought about it later, and I go, oh, that's why they gave me a new sweater, because I was starting to look like a -a (laughs) -a ragamuffin. Yeah. So... Where do you buy your clothes? I buy most of my clothes. I'm honest with you. I buy most of my clothes at the thrift store because they're good. And I found a thrift store that you can go there and you don't even have to pay money. I found another thrift store. You go there and you pay $2 and you can fill the bag as, as full as you want and, and, and it's good stuff. I know that yeah. <laughs> you know, online shopping, that's good too. I hate going to the store and and doing stuff there. You know, there's some churches that have kind of a dress code. and Actually, every church has a dress code. Wear clothes. (laughs) Every church has a dress code. Some are just different than others, right? Some, like, you know, I'd be wearing a tie and a suit right now, and I was going to wear a a jacket and a tie today just because I'm talking about clothes, but I just couldn't force myself to do it. (laughs) So, So... But, but, you know, some places that's kind of the way it is. I know we've had guest speakers at times and they come and they got their suit and tie and, I, and they, they walk in and they go, and they, you know, silently, you know, they turn around they take their tie off and then they feel like they fit in kind of thing. Warren Wiersbe says, you know, you get all dressed up and you have some place to go. And that's what this passage is about here. He also talked about putting off the grave clothes of sin in the old life, and putting on the grace clothes of holiness and the new life in Christ. What he's talking about here is is what are we going to wear? When you think, how many of you remember the story of Lazarus, right? Lazarus, he was dead, right? Lazarus wasn't just kind of passed out in the tomb there. He was dead as dead could be. He was in there and the smell was starting to come. It was really, really bad. He was really, really dead. But Jesus came. So that God could receive glory, he even waited, and then he came, and he said, Lazarus, come forth, right? You know the story. And what happened? He came out. He kind of like, you know, you, you see the movies or whatever, he kind of like got out as best as he could, but he was still wrapped up in all those stinking grave clothes, right? He still had that old stuff on. And, and then what did Jesus say? He said, take, take those old clothes off. Take those grave clothes off and, and, you know, give that guy a new suit, a new set of clothes. That's what, that's what he's talking about here in this passage, what, he, what he's already talked about in the verses we're going to look at today. Look at verse 9 and 10 again. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. With its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of its creator. You've taken off your old self, put on the new self. What are you gonna wear? You're gonna wear the old clothes? You're gonna wear those grave clothes, or as Warren Mersby says, the grace clothes? Are you gonna you're gonna put on what God has for us each and every day? we got to get dressed every day. We got to make a decision every day about what we're going to wear before we go out. Well, it's like this too. It comes up over and over and over again. We went uh, in Newport uh, to the Breaker's Mansion, right? Haven't been in those places. Went once one long time ago a different place, and we went in there, and you know, you go in there, and it's like opulent. I can use that word. Opulent. I've been waiting to use that word for a long time. It's like ostentatious it's like out of control really and they knew it back then too but that was just what they did they just got out of control and it was like it's like incredible you got platinum on the walls in one room like maybe you have a platinum ring and that's about all but this the walls are like coated in platinum like ridiculous but anyways there was a, there was this one room, and it was like a, a, a room where they kept the clothes for the lady, whatever her name was, Vanderbilt. And they said that, that she, most days, would change clothes seven times. Seven times you change clothes. And, and you know, a clothes for breakfast and clothes for riding and clothes for lunch and clothes to meet with someone and, and I guess all these different reasons. <sighs> Man, that makes me tired just thinking about changing clothes. I mean, to figure out what you're going to wear seven times, if you have trouble picking clothes once for the day, can you imagine doing that seven times? Like, whoa. You might go 35, 35 different outfits before you actually know what you're going to wear each of those times. In my closet. <laughs> Insane. Each and every day we have to decide what are we going to put on? What are we going to wear? He says, we've put on the new self. We've taken off the old self with its practices, the old ways. We're changed. We're different. We don't need to wear those grave clothes anymore. And so we're looking at verses 12 through 14 today. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see why I'm talking about what I'm talking about today? Therefore, as God's chosen people, put on, clothe yourselves. Put on the new clothes. He mentions some things there in verse 12. He says we're God's chosen people. He says we're holy. He says we're dearly loved. And later on, he says that we are forgiven. He says because of those things, because as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with these particular things. Let's think about a few of these things for a minute. He says you're chosen by God. He says says in Ephesians that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us a long time ago. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole debate here about, you know, predestination and uh, the sovereignty of God and man's free will. All I know is that you and I need to make a choice to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what I know. What God does and God's choices and how God has put it all together, that's His territory. Right? Some of us think we know it all and, and uh, we're going to explain it all and, and maybe you're right. All I know is that I need to fall on my knees before Him and worship Him and call out to the name of Jesus. And one day we'll look back and we'll we'll see, you know, that he chose us before the foundations of the world. And, and maybe he'll explain it to us, maybe he won't. Doesn't matter, does it? Chosen by God, a chosen people. Now that's kind of language from the Old Testament. Israel was the Israel as a people, they were the chosen people. God put his hand upon them. He had a special plan and purpose. And ultimately that plan and purpose was to bring the Savior Jesus through the line of the Nation of Israel that was his plan and purpose and he fulfilled that. but I want you to turn with me to a, to first a, a Peter chapter 2, James Peter John so just go ahead about seven or eight books. First Peter chapter 2. one thing I will say about the that Uh, that God has chosen us, we are chosen people, it didn't have anything to do with how cool you are. It certainly didn't have anything to do with what kind of clothes you wear. It didn't have anything to do with your works or anything else. It It was His love. And that's what we see here. Look at verses 9 through 12. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he goes on to say, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. This has to do with what we're putting on. He says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nature, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. What are you going to wear? What, what, what are people going to see? He says here, it matters what people see when they look at your life. God has put his hand upon you. The next thing he says here in Colossians, he says that you're holy. You're chosen by God. You're holy, which means that you're set apart by God, that he took you and he set you apart for himself. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, you don't have to turn there. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You're holy. The third thing he says here is that you're dearly loved by God. He says you're chosen. You're God's chosen people. You're holy. You're set apart. You are dearly loved. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. One of man's greatest needs is love. If not the greatest need is love. And I don't know if you know that or not, but God loves you. He really, really loves you. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I, I get so uh, off track or sometimes I get so confused or wondering, like, why God, you know, he could never love me. Like, that's ridiculous. But his love, his love is unfailing. Over and over in the Bible it says his love is unfailing. It doesn't stop. You can't be separated from it. You can't go somewhere that he can't find you and, and show you his love. Dearly loved by God. That's you. I want you to know that today. Dearly loved by God. And later he says that we've been forgiven. So we're chosen by God. We're holy. We're loved by God and we're forgiven. He says, so therefore, clothe yourselves. Because of all these things, clothe yourselves. And so we ask the question again, what are you going to wear? And he says, put these things on. This is what you and I should be clothing ourselves with. And we make a choice. We get to choose what we wear. Each and every day, we get to choose what we wear. And a statement that I that I came up with is this, that I choose by the power of God to put on these things. I choose, notice, by the power of God to put these things on. I can't do it in my, of myself. These things, I can't, well, I'm going to be um, compassionate now. Well, I'm going to be kind now. I'm going to be humble now. <laughs> that sounds pretty humble. By the power of God, I choose. John Corson, a pastor in, in Oregon, he says this, most Christians say, accept me the way I am. He said, I'm grumpy before I have my morning coffee, and that's just the way it's going to be. But Paul counters, put off that old man and put on the new. How many of you can relate to that? Like, well, you know, I'm just grumpy. I'm like, I'm like none of these things. Compassion, what's that? Kindness, I'm just mean. Humble, (laughs) gentle, patient. Paul says here, clothe yourselves with these things. One man said this, and and this is interesting. He said, every one of the graces, he calls them graces, every one of the graces listed has to do with personal relationships, the problem of living together. Every one of these things has to do with living together and getting along with one another and like life. It's not, you know, when you're all by yourself, who are you going to be compassionate to? Right? Who are you going to be kind to? Oh, yourself, right? But then you're just all wrapped up in yourself and whatever. The problem of living together, notice he calls it a problem and it is a problem. Why? because of who we are, because of what's in us, in our, in our nature, our sinful nature. But God has given us a new life within, and that's what he's saying, we should walk in the new life, the newness of life. Look at the things he says there, compassion. Compassion for other people, caring about other people. Not just caring about ourselves, but the word compassion in the English language, com means with and passion, feeling with someone else. Having compassion, feeling, having sympathy for somebody else. Kindness. Obviously self-explanatory. Just to be kind to other people. Not always easy, is it? It's the opposite of being mean. I'm very often mean. I have to say to my wife, I'm sorry I was mean. And then I blame her. But you, and that's no good. It's It's not right. I'm being honest. He, he, you know, he's saying here, we have heard that saying, you know, to practice random acts of kindness. He's, I think, saying here that we should practice regular acts of kindness. How about humility? The opposite of pride. To be completely humble, It said. He says in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. So to think of every person around you, that person's better than me. The truth is, though, pride is a very, very real enemy. Pride is like inside of us, and it's like God, you know, even when you think it's not there, pride is there is what I have discovered. Even when you think that it's not affecting you, pride is, is a very real enemy. Watch out for pride. We know that, that Satan, he fell because of pride got a hold of him. It's no new sin, that's for sure. To be completely humble, humble ourselves. The only way you beat pride is by humbling ourselves. The only way we fight against pride is by getting down before the Almighty God. He says, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up in due time. How about gentleness? How about patience? That's not just a person's name, right? That is like a virtue. That is like a grace. That is like... God giving us patience. So you look at these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and you say, no problem, right? Is that what you say? No problem. Done. Easy. The truth is, these are not what we wake up with. We don't wake up like this. It's not the default mode, and we need to call call out to God and cry out to Him and ask Him to help us and help us to get dressed, help us to put on the right things. I want you to turn back a few books to Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 5. Galatians chapter 3 and 5. Turn back. with me if you will Galatians chapter 3 in verse 3 he says this are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort of course he's talking about salvation thinking that you know we get saved by grace through faith and then we earn it after that but really, I think the principle is also, too, that, you know, we, we try to do it in our own flesh, our own human strength. But turn to chapter 5, and verse 22. He says, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. You notice some of the same things that we find in Colossians there in that list of of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Say that with me. Fruit of the Spirit. It's not our fruit. It's His fruit in us. But we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to continually ask Him and humble ourselves before Him and ask Him to give us the fruit that only He can give. Another passage, Romans chapter 13, he says this, Rather clothe yourselves, he likes this idea, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he's talking about these different uh, virtues, different aspects. But, But in Romans 13, 14, he says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, put Jesus on. say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, we, we do it through prayer. We do it, we do it through submission to Jesus Christ. We do it asking Him, well, what, what, what would you do in this particular circumstance, in this situation? Let's turn back to uh, Colossians 3. Sad to say there's more. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He says, bear with each other. Put up with each other. Even even when so-and-so is a bear, I got to bear with that bear? That's what he says, isn't isn't it? That's what he's saying here, right? Bear with each other. Put on this patience, the patience of God. Let me read to you what, what one person wrote, and it really it kind of sums it up for me. He says, he describes here the patience that we should have with the failings and the odd ways of our brethren. If they were perfect, we would not be Asked to bear with one another. Why would you need to bear with somebody if they were like perfect, right? The failings and the odd ways of our brethren. I mean, I'm so amazed that you put up with my odd ways. I really am. I don't know why you do, but that's another story. But he says this, in living with others, it is inevitable that we will find out their failures. And it often takes the grace of God for us to put up with the idiosyncrasies of others. And this is the part that catches me, as it must for them to put up with ours. Did you catch that? You know, it's not just that we have to put up with them, but we never think about, well, the fact is they have to put up with us. They have to put up with our failures and our odd ways and idiosyncrasies. But he says it takes the grace of God, the grace of God to bear with each other. And then he says to forgive, to forgive. You know, one of the most powerful things in all of life is forgiveness. It really is to forgive someone that has hurt you, to forgive someone that has wronged you. And it's, it's like it is so powerful and it is so huge, it's so large as someone who's done something to you, to actually not hold that against them any longer. Now, do you only do that when they come and say, you know, forgive me because I did this and this and this to you? No. We've got to forgive no matter what. Whether they come, I mean, whether they're alive, whether they've, they've already, you know, passed away, God is calling us to be a forgiving people. Why? Because the Lord forgave you, because he forgave me. And that's the example that we have. Jesus, he says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to come and say, forgive us. Will you now die for my sin? No, we were his enemies. We were at war. And that's, that's the song we sang today. You know, we've, we've laid our weapons down. We, you know, the war is over. Why? Because of the cross of Jesus. So he forgave us we've been forgiven shouldn't we forgive others that's what he's saying here we should forgive as the lord forgave you it's not always an easy thing to do is it it's not an easy thing to do and i don't think that we can do it without his help i don't think you know when especially some some of us have been through horrendous horrendous things and to actually forgive Without the grace of God, I don't think we can do it. You know? Verse 14, he finishes it up here and he says, and over all these virtues, put on love. What are you going to wear today? He says, put on love. Over all these virtues. You can have all those things, but he says that really what puts it all together, the top coat, the super glue that holds it all together. Warren Wiersbe said the girdle. It kind of holds it all together, you know? Uh, let me, I to adjust mine. Hold on a second. Holds it all in over all these virtues put on love. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, we know the passage. He says, without love, you know, we can do all this stuff, but it's like nothing. It's like a noise. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really serve any purpose. Without love, he says, without love, It's just, we're nothing, he says, 1 Corinthians 13. So, what are we going to wear? What are we going to put on each day, in each situation? We need to pray, God help us. John Corson, again, uh, he's got some great stuff to say about this passage. He says this, oftentimes, people say to us, you guys at church are a bunch of put-ons. And he says, and I have learned to respond, you're right. We put on Jesus Christ, as Romans 13, 14 says we are to do, and and we become like who we put on. We become like who we put on. You say, well, that's not me. That's the point. That's who we need to be. We need to put on these things. We need to put on the stuff of the Spirit of God. Put on what what He's working in our lives. Put on Jesus Christ. and, And as we do, we become more and more like Him. But again, we can't do it in our own strength. He says, it's the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. So I choose by the power of God to put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, to bear with, to forgive, to put on love, to put on Jesus. I choose by the power of God to do these things. That's something to think about, isn't it, each and every day? But You know when when we think about it? After we realize that we didn't do it, right? We realize, oh, God, what was I wearing? Why was I wearing that for? Well, that's because that was the default. That was like what was already there, you know. We're not being put on. Well, we are, but we need to put on the right things. Put on Jesus Christ and these things. One final quote, he says, It's not in the cloaking of ourselves in pious appearing actions. It's putting on the new self we have in Christ, reflecting his image. Our new clothes are not seen in the rules we keep, but the love we express. Let me read that again. Our new clothes are not seen in the rules we keep, but the love we express. I want that. I don't know about you. You can't buy this stuff down at uh, JCPenney. Can't buy it down at thrift store even, but God has these things for us and he wants us to choose to put on what he's given to us. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and uh, we got up today and uh, we had to decide what we were going to wear. But you say in your word here that we need to choose because of what you've done for us, because who you've made us, because of how much you love us, that we would put on the things that, that are in keeping with who we are and, and who you are. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, show us how to do that. We pray as we just surrender to you and we ask you each and every day and in each and every moment, really, to, to help us to walk in the ways of the Spirit of God and not in our own ways, not in the ways of our flesh. but Walk in the way of the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. We know, Jesus, you were all those things. You were compassionate. You were kind. You were humble, patient, gentle. You were all those things. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us to be those people that you've called us to be. Forgive us. Forgive us for just wanting to just do it ourselves and try to be our own. We're foolish when we try to do that. Or when we don't even try, forgive us for that too. And our stubbornness, our rebel hearts, as we say. We lay down those things and we... And we pick up the white flag to say we surrender to you this morning, Lord. Father, I also want to pray for any here this morning who have never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, to trust in him as Lord, as the Savior. If that's you this morning, I want to give an opportunity right here, right now for you to simply surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He died you because he loves you and he wants to give you eternal life. He wants to to be your God and your Savior. And all you need to do is simply open your heart and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart.